Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of AMRAs and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of blockbuster video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom and pop video store killer, the corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars who are in the know arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? All right, everybody, welcome back to the Talkbuster podcast, one of four shows on the internet where I, Chris Chipman, the Chippa, talk to people. Um, only difference is this one has a uh, kind of specific bent. We talk about Blockbuster Video, working in video rental retail, and other things involved. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, before I get right into that, uh, my $15 or more patrons, I like to thank them by name. That's Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin CV, Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, and Mark Price. Thank you all for making shows like this possible. And my two newest patrons, Jeremy and Seth Decker, thank you guys both. And this show, like a lot of my shows, is brought to you today by the Geeks with Shields podcast. Each week, hosts Axel and Ulrich provide a nerdy escape from the darkest timeline, talking everything from comics to long-forgotten movies and TV shows. If the darkest timeline has you down, check out the Geeks with Shields podcast for all your nerdy needs. And with that, I'll get in today's guest. Um, And I didn't ask before we started, but I'm going to hope I get this right. This is Mark Levy or Levi? Uh, It's Levy, uh, but it's, it's all good either way. Yeah. Uh, Mark, introduce yourself to the world. Hi, uh, my name is Mark Levy. I'm a New York-based actor and writer. Um, I am, I have a new play, my first solo show ever. It's called Blockbuster Guy, uh, based off of my time working at Blockbuster in college, uh, the whole time in college, uh, from 2004 to 2007, arguably the last peak of Blockbuster, um, yeah. and uh, living in the very, very small town, Florida, during that time. And my also lifelong love of movies. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, um, tell tell everybody before you can do this again at the end, but tell everybody a little bit more about that show. And if they are listening to this, because this will be out before the show airs um, in the New York area where they can uh, where they can see you. Yeah. So uh, the show Blockbuster Guy, um, it's as I mentioned, it's my solo show. It's about when I worked at Blockbuster. Um, and my love of movies. Uh, it debuts February 21st at under St. Mark's Theater on uh, 94 St. Mark's Place in Manhattan. Uh, it runs for five shows, uh, February 21st, February 28th, March 1st, March 4th, and March 7th. Times vary, and I can get those times for you very, very quickly if you'd like. 
Yeah, well, I, I can post it with the show when I post it. So yeah. But uh, tickets are available on frigidnyc.com. Um, and would love to have anyone here in the audience to see it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And like, there's been a lot of interest around the nation for the show to tour. Um, and it's really interesting because I've done solo theater before, but shorter shows, like less than 20 minutes long, dealing with um, things that are not as happy. So it's nice to be dealing with a show that is mostly happy. <laughs> isn't, isn't that the, the amazing thing? I try to tell people, they go, so you do a show about Blockbuster. What do you do? Just sit there and, and dunk on it the whole time? And I go, no, 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 no. It's, it's a happy show. It's about the good memories. And yeah, there was yeah. some bad stuff that happened there. And, you know, anything that is a corporate entity that isn't here anymore, you can look back and go, oh, here's the mistakes they made. And here's this person that owned it that wasn't that great or whatever but all my memories are pretty damn happy so i mean yeah i mean the only thing that like really i dunk on at all the show is the whole netflix thing back uh when they almost bought netflix yeah now i mean i don't don't, have to talk about that you know (laughs) i don't know if you have this factoid in your show but you're welcome to take it um did you know that when when blockbuster was trying to buy netflix and or Netflix was trying to get Blockbuster to buy them. Um, the Netflix said we offered them everything but the kitchen sink or something like this. I've and, heard that. Yes. Yeah, and and they actually bought like an IKEA kitchen sink and sent it as a joke. <laughs> after that quote came out, oh, man. <laughs> and and I, and I think that's amazing. Um, it was it was incredible to work there during that. It really was because I know that's like it really was the last peak of Blockbuster at that time because they were doing the monthly rental service and that was doing really well. Um, and like rewards at my store, at least, was really going crazy, too. Um, and I remember like reading about like Netflix and like then I signed up for Netflix just out of curiosity around the same time. And yeah, it's that weird thing. I'm like, OK, Um Maybe we can win. Because I remember, I remember the Blockbuster website was yep. a little bit more complicated than Netflix for the rentals, but it was not in a bad way, like just a factual way. But like they had a great selection. So yeah, they did. We 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 actually a lot of us that worked at the store because I think um I think when it first came out they gave some of the store employees complimentary accounts to get us to like try it out. Right. And, uh, I remember that too. Yes. And so we all had Netflix and blockbuster.com and um, it, it was cool to see blockbuster. They had some weird stuff. They had some stuff I didn't expect they would. Um, and, and that was cool. Really good selection of TV. I remember that. Yeah. Like, yeah. like TV. I remember, I remember that like they had a uh, get a life. I think that was the uh, Chris Elliott show. Which oh, was yeah. then, yeah. Still is hard to find, but yeah. I forgot about that show. Yeah, I've only se- I watched the series once, like when I was in college, because I was like, this is gonna be fun and I, I enjoy it. I really want to rewatch it. Um at my current job, we do have that on DVD that I should rent also. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. So did um you started off, you said when you started college in 2004. So what, what led you to want to work at Blockbuster? Well, so I, 
I've always like as any movie nerd growing up, I always go blockbuster every week, rent new movies. Um, with, of course, my parents' permission at that time, and um, <laughs> uh, basically just fell in love with the store so much. And um, back in, and I'm from Miami, and I went to college in North Florida, and um, in Miami, I would apply like once I hit 17, I'd apply all the time. Uh, on their little on that little quiz box, they had that little telephone where you would oh, take yeah. like, a question survey, and I'd always pass it, but I would never get the call in. And I was like, okay. And then when I went to college, I saw there was a blockbuster there, and I'm like, cool, I wanna, I wanna go there, I wanna work there it's a, a, for a part time. And um, I applied and got hired, like basically almost on the spot. So I mean. It, it became a thing that really, it was the thing I always loved. I mean, I love movies. I'm an actor. I work at a movie theater right now. Um, nice. Yeah, I work at the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn, which is a really great place. Um, oh, that's that's so cool, man. Yeah, like, I'm very, very thankful and very lucky to work there. And it's awesome. <laughs> and Blockbuster was that for 18-year-old Mark, you know? So you're you're living the full grown up adult version of that dream. That that is, you, there was a uh, an old movie theater in in Salem, uh, Mass near us. You know where they burned oh. all the witches. Uh, burned hung all the witches. Sorry, burned is how Hollywood says it happened. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, they uh, uh, it's a cool old theater and it's it's about to close and they're looking for a buyer. I think they might have found a buyer. But let me tell you, there was an email chain that went around for about a week. Of all the old folks I used to work with at Blockbuster, all yeah. trying to convince each other that it's something we should try to do. <laughs> we were like, we could do this. We could buy a movie theater. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's how it goes sometimes, right? Like, especially with the way that, like, a lot of people are sick and tired of AMC or Regal just dominating the field, which I think they're both great companies personally. Um, they both have their flaws, but that's just because they're major uh, companies. Um I personally love working for Alma Draft House because it's every nerd's dream, you know? I mean, we show great movies, have great beer, uh, awesome programming, good customer service without making you feel like a customer. Right. And uh, my store has a video vortex, which is um, they, in, in the one in Brooklyn, they, they bought a uh, video, a, a rental store, and they bought the whole catalog. And we now have like 20,000 titles. Holy moly. Yeah. So are you, do you get new stuff or are you kind of like scarecrow video out in Seattle, which is more of a preservation thing? Uh, in the video vortex collection, it, we, yeah. we, it was kind of scarecrow for a little bit, but it's also like, if we need a DVD, we'll buy it. Like for Avengers, of course we'll rent, we'll buy it. Cause we'll sell it. I mean, we'll rent it, you know? Um, next time I'm in the city, I got to come and check that out. I think the last time I, I think I, last time I was by the Alamo, I, I, that wasn't part of it yet. I don't think it's been there for about a year and a half in the Alamo. Yeah, that, so. that would be why it, it, it was longer ago than that. I, I'm having a hard time with time periods now, but it was definitely before I had kids. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that that will slow things down in that regard, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, so I, I didn't realize. So you, we we got to talk about Blockbuster, of course, but you're currently working in both a movie theater and renting videos. So that is, yeah. 
That's gold for this show, man. <laughs> Admittedly, the um, the rental part is not as busy as the movie theater part, of course. But um, oh, but it's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I literally, um, what was it? Um, I recently wanted to watch all the Hal Ashby movies, and I was able to do that. Like all the ones that matter, like from the seventies and eighties, because of the fact that we have them in our collection. Oh, that's wild. There was a um there was a theater around here. So so AMC had two theaters in the country that they were doing this trial thing. They called it the premium. And I think one was in LA and one was in Framingham, Massachusetts. Okay. Of all places. And it was the closest experience I've ever had to a draft house. It's it's not the same thing, but they were trying. It was it was a restaurant and bar with a one room theater off of it, and it was twenty one plus. And they'd show everything. They'd show the new Pixar movie. They'd show you know whatever, and they'd pick like two movies a weekend to show, like two of the new ones, and you could come in. And it was like a $15 ticket. It was complimentary popcorn and soda. You could sit there and have a nice dinner before. And they had tables like that came out in front of the nice Tempur-Pedic seats in the theater, right? And it was a super cool experience. But it was a trial thing that AMC did for like five years to turn into their eat-in theaters that they've rolled out nationwide. So they closed that down. And my buddy, who was the guy that turned me on to it, said, hey, you should come. They're having like a hangout like last night thing for all of their patrons. And Uh they basically demo teamed the place and took everything because they were just going to chuck it. So I've got two of their Tempur-Pedic seats from the premium Ah. in my basement. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Which I think is really cool. But um, it, it, it's it's a bummer because, you know, like you said, AMC, they're, they're just doing what they got to do. It's kind of like the blockbuster thing. But it's a bummer that when they eventually rolled out their dine-in thing, they had to kind of saturate it down more for, like, the fast-moving, like, McDonald's right. kind of crowd. And I totally get that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think AMC has a really good heart. I think Regal has a good heart. They do. They're doing interesting things on, like, large scale. But, like. I mean, I, I really love, I love, I love the idea of now I'm a draft house because our big thing is always show badass movies and make people want to come back, you know? And it's all about the film going experience, not just, yeah. not just filling up a small space for an hour and a half and then being booted out. Right. Yeah. Which is, which, which is cool. Blockbuster is kind of like what feels like with my earliest memories of Blockbuster. Like I remember uh, my parents, they the way they raised me, I was not able to watch anything but GRPG until I was like nine years old, except for yep. very weird specific movies. Um, and I remember like how vast the the new release wall was and how cool it was to like pop in the store and see like hear the sounds, smell the weird plastic clean smell of a blockbuster and all that interesting things that go along with it. And then, like, choosing your movie and talking to the 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 the, uh, the the employee and getting the movie and going home and watching it and hoping it's a good movie, you know? Right. You don't have that hope anymore. Netflix, you just turn it off, right? Yeah. It's and I mentioned on the show, like, it's like, yeah, you turn on your Netflix or your Hulu and you're like, cool, let's watch this. Oh, crap. It's a bad movie. And then it's over. Like, you turn it off. And some someone pointed that out, you know, that that's kind of why they're surprised that Mystery Science Theater is held up 
for the Netflix generation because the whole point of that was these are the kind of it wasn't like a it wasn't a show created out of people that hated movies that wanted to dunk on the mystery science theater was a oh you know it's two o'clock in the afternoon and this is what's playing on the two channels you have you might as well make the best of it and sit around and poke fun at it and turn it into something good and you know there's i'm surprised it's doing well without people having a comparison for that like a comparison for the I'm going to take this and I'm going to put my 450 down or 319 or whatever it is that it's costing when you work there and go, I have to own this movie. I'm going to go home and damn it. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a different mentality. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My brain's like also trying to process. Cause I feel like when I started renting movies myself from blockbusters, basically when the, when the unlimited plan happened and I could just, and it was like the same idea where I was like, well, if it's bad, I'll just drive back and return it and get yep. a new one. Um, which that happened all the time uh, because movies can be bad. Uh, <laughs> oh, especially uh-huh. around 2004. That was yeah. the beginning of, of, of shovelware, big production stuff. Like, yeah. I remember watching date, movie and i enjoyed date movie but then i saw epic movie and i hated epic movie oh it's so bad <laughs> and i remember like they made like five more of those movies like meet the spartans and like uh scream if others. you know what i did last friday the 13th well that, that was not them that was someone different that was before i know i know but, that was actually the original title for scary movie i remember that yeah um what else was there um was independent movie or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, they kept going disaster movie. I think they made. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Um, and there was like the whole like national lampoons, like being, um, gave the oh. life back after Van Wilder and then making like bad movies, like Adam and Eve. And, um, was it all no. the American pie spinoffs? Yeah. Like what was the naked mile? No, that was, that was, that was American pie. Yeah. Band camp, right. Naked Mile. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, I don't know if you got, you got this down in, um, in, in Florida, but we had, I, I, I my blockbuster was in a pretty urban area. So we got uh-huh. at least 150 new movies every couple months that looked like the Fast and the Furious. I mean, that sounds about right though. Cause like there was always a lot of like direct to video and direct to DVD yep. movies. Um, yeah, I mean, and they always have like Jean Claude Van Damme in them, <laughs> um, or or Dolph Lundgren, of course. Um, oh yeah, or um, Steven Seagal. Yeah, not so much Rutger Hauer at that point, but yeah. No, hell, but, Steven Seagal is in in a new Sniper film. I think it's like Sniper Seven or something like that. That sounds about right. <laughs> and on the cover box of the movie, he's not holding a sniper rifle. It's very confusing. Like he's just staring at the camera, like his eyes with the sniper rifle, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what they're getting at. Um, so, you know, you, being like the the guy that went from Blockbuster to a movie theater, you were yeah. in Blockbuster during college. Our local movie theater was a big part of our of our Blockbuster because we all hung out. the The majority of my wedding party, of the men in my wedding party, were all people I worked at Blockbuster with. It's kind of funny. 
It's just oh, how it ended cool. up working out. So we um we all saw uh, Jay and Silent Bob strike back in theaters at 1 a.m. after working at Blockbuster because it played after it left theaters very quickly after 9-11. Right. Um, because they say terrorists about 50 times in the movie. Um, That's, yeah. It played at 1 a.m. at our local dollar theater. So we'd get out of work and like midnight, close down the store and run over to the dollar theater and just watch it again. And uh, so I'm actually having them all over in a couple of weeks to watch the new one. So that should be kind of cool. I really know one's really good. I can't watch it yet, but I really want to see nice. it. Did you guys have like a camaraderie outside the store or were you kind of like the lone we guy? Had, like it was so like um, it was like that scary, like very scary redneck Florida uh, type city. It was scary people, Florida. Uh, <laughs> I, What's the name of the, of the city of the area? Not to um, not to point uh, fingers. Alaska, Florida. It's in the middle of nowhere, literally in the middle of nowhere. Nice. Like I actually show a map of Florida in the show of all the cities about an hour away from it, and I, I yeah, um, I will say this though. Uh, this is not a generalization. This is an actual true fact about the city. A quarter of the world's toilet paper is made there. So oh. it's literally like shit. Um, because there's a paper factory there. Um, but yeah. everyone that was like-minded like me, um, pretty much went to the blockbuster to work or um or to rent. And we all pretty much hung out there. Uh hung, the movie we did have a good movie theater in the town. We had like a four-screen movie theater that was pretty bad. Like it was a pretty, I hate saying shitty things about this town, but it's, it's a really bad place. Um, like, yeah, but it had a really good art school there, which is weird, but it was a really bad place. And um, basically we would all like hang out after work and drink beer or whatever and watch movies. And I rent movies for my friends at school and we mm-hmm. watched movies. Yeah, it was like, but like pretty much it was a very small click, but a good click. Yeah. So what are some uh, notable movies that came out while you were there? That like either the big ones, or the little ones, you know, the like was just a cool, oh, we watched this and or I'd never heard of this and I grabbed it. All right. So this is going to sound so perverted. And I apologize about this in advance. Uh, okay. So, um, one day, um, when, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this on a podcast. It's hilarious. Um, so remember the movie Pirates, the porno movie Pirates? Oh, um, yes. Uh, well, they released an R-rated version for Blockbuster. Uh, no, they didn't. They released an R-rated version for Blockbuster. That's a very real fact. Um, and when did that come out? That must have been right after my time there. Um, it came out like 2005 or 2006 so uh, oh wow i don't remember i remember the movie because it it would um we had uh yeah direct tv so we we found it during an inventory one night and put it on the direct tv (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah uh we we had access to the uh r-rated version of pirates the adult film oh my god is Weaker than Skinamax, to put it mildly. Uh, and this is coming guys, from the company that. This is coming yeah. from the company that did not sell pornography, but you can get every version of the Red Shoe Diaries. 
Yep. Uh, and we like it was just us guys like drinking and watching an R-rated version of a porno. Uh, oh, you have to. If if that showed up yeah. on our shelf, oh my god. <laughs> well, I mean, literally, it was like it was like a hundred minutes of acting, and once in a while, a boob shot. Um, <laughs> but that's the, hilarious. We uh, can think of like from like from very notable. <laughs> uh, wow, I saw a pervert right now. Uh, <laughs> no, dude, it's okay. Let, let me tell you, you're in good company because I had an episode of this show where a guy that worked at a porn shop came on. So, oh, I mean, like, I didn't watch Pirates of My Friends for the uh, self merit. Uh, <laughs> I watched no, it for the alcoholic merit. Oh, you got to be able to say, dude, Blockbuster has an R rated version of this porn, and we watched the hell out of it, and it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it literally was like the most successful porno ever at the time. The most expensive, too, from what I recall. Yeah, I remember that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Well, I don't know if any other movie can top the notability of that one. Um, what what else you got? Um, let me think what else. Um I remember recommending Little Miss Sunshine to basically every guest that walked in. Oh yeah. When we got that, um, because that was like my favorite movie that I've ever seen at that point in my life. That was oh, that not- must have been that must have been trouble recommending it to people in a town like that, because that kind of points heatedly at kind of the way a lot of people live their life in that part of the world. You're right. Yeah. But people, people at that point were really understanding of my recommendations. Like the tell blockbuster guy is not just a title for the show. It's an actual nickname I had in the town. Nice. Like, like people in town would wreck because no one's ever, no one really looks like me even back then. Um, and People would like be like walking out street, like "Hey, blockbuster guy!" Like they would say, like they would call me out on the street, um, and I'd be like, "Yep." And it would just be all day, every day. People would be like saying, "That's blockbuster guy," and like, like every person, like, like that would that would go blockbuster would mm-hmm. see me and say in their very thick southern accent, "Hey, blockbuster guy, that's blockbuster guy," whatever. Um, so by that point, when Little Miss Sunshine came out, when I worked at Blockbuster for a little over a year, uh, it was like people understood my recommendations and were kind of open to them, at least to hear it. Uh, but yeah, it's that thing of like my brain's just people understood that I meant well, even if we didn't line up uh, politically, you know. Ah, that's cool. That and that's that's an important thing I would imagine there. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, any um yeah. any any interesting uh funny stories or anything that happened in in or out of the store? Yeah, uh I talked about this in the show. Uh there was this guest, I'm not gonna say their name. Uh I do remember their name, their name was insane. Uh, but they were they uh they were a regular there from when I first started working there and they had the monthly pass of three out at a time and they would be in the store literally like honestly on a slow day for them at least twice a day wow and on a busy day up to like four times a day like for them and one day i asked him i'm like hey you're here a lot uh you watch these news that fast he's like no i i ripped them 
he straight told me he rips the movies. And <laughs> um, eventually, from what I understand, the FBI raided his house. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so from what I'm aware of, this guy is still in jail for burning hundreds and hundreds of hours of maybe even thousands of hours of DVDs. Definitely thousands of hours, but yeah. Um, that's crazy. It just flats out says it. I mean, you know, that's what a lot of people do, but yeah. Oh yeah. That's just what I'm doing. Here you go. Yeah. I mean, especially back then where I feel like that's when things started becoming very easy to burn DVDs. Um, right. I know VHS is always a lot easier to rip in theory, but uh, DVDs, I remember that's like around when it became really easy. I remember like one day I asked, like, oh, my coworkers, like, hey, where's this guy? And like, oh, you didn't hear my, no, he's like, well, he got the FBI raided his house. He got busted for stealing all our stuff. Yeah, like a whole blockbuster worth of stuff, pretty much. That's insane. Hey, I need to know what the blockbuster down the street has for rental. Oh, let me check my library here. I'll let you know if they have it. Yeah, that's basically what it was like. You definitely had like terabyte hard drives back then, uh, full hard drives of DVDs and all that stuff. So that's wild. Do you uh, ever have any ro- robberies or anything like that? We almost did. Um, one of my managers who was like probably 95 pounds stopped it because she <laughs> she just started screaming at the person. Um, and caught them like taking DVDs from our rentals, like from our uh, purchase area. So um, we caught a guy by following a blood trail one time. Blood? Wait, wait, a blood trail? Yeah, we found a we found a bloody um, utility knife on the ground and a trail, and he had been cutting DVDs with the utility knife to get into the package, and he okay. slipped and cut himself and tried to make a run for it. And didn't oh make no, it. that's not good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, let me think what else. Um, there was I remember there was like a fight that broke out in that same area too, with the whole like with the sale area. Um, that got pretty heated, where someone got like thrown into the shelf. Wow. Yeah, we were like. We were right next to the Chili's in town, so like people would come in drunk all the time. Plus, it was that part of Florida where everyone mm-hmm. is drunk all the time. It's just nothing better to do. Yeah. Um, like literally, uh, in the show, I talk about this. How there's a Walmart inside that Walmart parking lot. There's a Chili's, and inside the Chili's parking lot is a strip mall with the Blockbuster. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Yeah. Uh, like there was like a GameStop, there was like a Radio Shack, and like a Chinese restaurant yep. in that strip mall. <laughs> it's like it's like the blueprint of that has to happen, right? Like <laughs> it's always it's always a Walmart or a Target or a Shaw's, and then Shaw's? Never, Shaw's, Shaw's is like it's like a Stop and Shop or a, or a um, People's or something okay. like that. That's or cool. uh, Piggly Wiggly, whatever you want. Um, convenience, <laughs> big, big convenience store. Um, but um, or yeah, grocery market. But yeah, we, around here it's always one of those. And then uh, there was a Blockbuster, a McDonald's, a Burger King, or a Wendy's or a Taco Bell. And yeah, it's funny. in the top of the show, I uh, 
I do like a guided meditation of like basically my life when I was like 10 years old with my parents going to Blockbuster in Miami. And my Blockbuster in Miami was uh, on US one, like which is a massive drag. And yep. um, we would pull into McDonald's. I would get a Happy Meal. And then they would pull out of, of McDonald's. And right next to McDonald's was our Blockbuster in a strip mall. But um, but like you'd have to like exit the parking lot for McDonald's to go into the parking lot for Blockbuster. But yep. Uh, I, I described this in the play with, uh, and the first time my director heard it, she said, my director was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And she's like, that's exactly how it was at my blockbuster. Like there was a yep. McDonald's Express right next to her, her blockbuster. <laughs> they built almost all of them within like the same three year period. That's crazy. Though. Like we think about like you can get your food and then get your movie and then you just enjoy yourself. Right. Near the end, um, uh, the time I was there, like 2007, 2008, around here, yeah. they were planning to start having all the blockbusters and making half of them a Pizza Hut. At the time, Pizza Hut and Viacom had a big deal with each other um, okay. to do like the movies and the food in the same place. It never happened, but um, they they all did end up getting halved in the early, early 10s before they closed them. I do not remember that at all, but that was around I, here. Yeah. Like I know uh, when I moved to New York in 2009, uh, I found my, my store in a store when I was living at the time. And a few months later when they posted the uh, reclosing sign. And I remember yeah. being like, damn it. I was going to enjoy like coming here every once in a while and renting a movie. And it that's happened the only pretty one quick. I've actually seen in New York. Sorry, what? It happened pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they all like pretty much closed like in a two-year period of 2008 to 2010, pretty much. Yeah, I bought the uh, the gumball machine from um, oh. the one I worked at when they closed. Did that cost a lot of money? No, it was like a hundred bucks. Not bad. Get those good and big. It, you know, yeah, it, it, it was good memories. You know, I don't know if you you knew this, but the the store I ended up as a store manager by the end. Oh, and, cool. Um, and the store ran based on transactions, not on cost of sales. So mm -hmm. they based all their hours on how many things you could scan. And so if you did gumballs, by doing gumballs, you had to count all the quarters and then do it, do a single, you know, sale into the computer and put all the quarters into the um, cash register so you had to you know do like 240 times a quarter well the gu the gumballs is actually the biggest marked up item in the whole store they're like a fraction of a cent is what the company pays for them and they charge a quarter right so right. if you do your gumballs it bases that on the previous year's transaction that week and then the following week you'll get more hours so whenever we had people coming back from like christmas break or something for college or school We'd always do the gumballs the week before, save them for the whole year to boost the hours for the next week. Well, that's cool. It was it was just a fun. So that gumball machine became the like you got a new employee. Go do the damn gumballs. You know, <laughs> go count all the quarters. <laughs> put them in the system. And so I had to buy it. And what was cool about this gumball machine is it still had they were missing the key to close and open it. So the back was still being held on with various um, various. Uh, security strips oh okay which i thought was really funny 
That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we, you uh, do you remember what? your employee number? No, not at all. <laughs> That's cool. Like, I almost found my uniform for the show. Um, since my dad's in Florida, uh, and my all my stuff is in my parents' like some of my stuff from college, some of my parents' house. Um, they were looking for it. Like, so I'm like, there's no way I threw my uniform and they couldn't find it. But my dad is one of those people that's a whiz with the internet. Like he's able to make friends with anyone. And since Blockbuster's based out of South Florida, my dad was able to reach in contact with people that were like managers down there. And he found someone that like gave us like a treasure trove of Blockbuster shirts. Oh, that's so cool. So like I found like, and they were all like my size and extra large. So I was like, holy shit, um, I got to use some of this. And like some of them were like insane, like, one of the things my dad sent me that I don't know how to use is a white blockbuster shirt with a logo on like uh, the chest, uh, like a small logo. And on the back, it says, remember your Independence Day and, or like celebrate Independence Day. And it's a photo of the White House blowing up in the movie Independence Day. And it's got the release Whoa. date for the VHS release. That's a pretty cool thing to have. That was one of the first huge rentals. I remember that, yeah. There was like 280 copies of that damn movie. At your store? When I was young. I mean, I wasn't working there yet. But I yeah, remember yeah. going into Blockbuster to rent it. That was like right at the beginning of the guaranteed in stock phase. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like it was insane. Some of these shirts my dad got. Like, yeah, like these weird manager shirts from like the late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm not going to use it. I just need the blue polo um, for, like, an employee. And, but like, it's ridiculous, like, how much love there is still in South Florida for Blockbuster. That's awesome. Did, did If you could, could you take some photos of some of that stuff and send it to me? Yeah, I could try. Well, some of them I don't have. I, like, asked for the polos and the, um, yeah. the, the, uh, the Independence Day shirt. It would it would be cool to share them with this. That's all, you know. Like, look, look at these things he's talking about. This is wild. Yeah, I mean, I don't have like the uh, like the insane ones. Like the insane ones, I was just like, you can keep them, Dad. Uh, like some of them are like manager weird, like yeah, 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 stuff that I've never heard of before. But my buddy Tim brought on his episode a bullet that he found that he still had. He found a bullet in the kids section, just a shell casing. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Never found out why or how. Just, just there, in the kids section. Yep. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this is cool. So, so um, man, so you were there all through college. Um, yeah. Um, did you get like uh, uh, this? Seems to be one of the few things to do in town. So I imagine most of the college rented there, so you could never escape. Yeah, I mean, like it on a Friday night, we were we were busy in the movie theater because it was that bad of a movie theater that we had in town. Like it was like I hate like generalizing it as bad, horrible Florida, but it really is bad, horrible Florida where it was. Um, and like the reason why this art school was there is because there was nothing to do, and yeah. like we were always slammed on the on the weekends. Like, which is part of the reason why I got this nickname, a blockbuster guy, because everyone would see me all weekend, and like. Um, there'd be a lot of like uh, friends from college 
Sometimes the teachers, teachers didn't really, the teachers tended to live like in St. Augustine, like an hour away and stuff like that to like not be in town. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the thing to do was go Walmart on Friday night and Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah, yeah and, that's the, and that's the thing with the trip to Blockbuster, even when you work there, like for, for a movie geek like you and me, it wasn't a five minute um, exercise, right? You go in to rent a movie. It's like, no, I'm. I'm in the store for a bit. It was like a thing oh, yeah. to do. It wasn't just a, a store or a means to an end. It was a thing to do. So, of course, you end up working there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember um, I didn't really get to horror until college. And I got to horror mm. while working at Blockbuster. I would watch the whole set. Like, I watched our whole horror, like, row pretty much. And, like, I, like, all because I made a bad recommendation uh, of a horror movie that I never saw before. Uh, I recommended Last House on the Left, which is a movie that you should see before you recommend it because it deals uh, with yes. murder um, more more so than horror, uh, more human horror than it is uh, slasher horror, although it is both. Um, but like ever since it happened, I took it as see the movie before you recommend the movie instead of just blindly recommending the movie because you like Scream and like Wes Craven, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, imagine people seeing Scream for the first time and going, oh, let me check out the other stuff this guy made. And instead of, like, going with Nightmare on Elm Street, they go with Last House on the Left. Yeah, which is, like, the, which is great, but it's 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 a lot. <laughs> um, it is, yeah, it is far cry from a uh, fun horror movie. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I want, do you want to talk quickly about, like, the genesis of the show a little bit? That's actually you, you. You hit the nail on the head. That's what I was about to get into. I was going to get to how do you get from college and blockbuster to blockbuster guy, the off Broadway show? Like, what? yeah. Um, well, so as I, I I started making plays because I'm a young character actor, I started writing plays for myself, and I always wanted to make a play about guys working at blockbuster. That's always like a goal of mine. Whenever I started writing it, it always became Clerks. Always, like no matter what, it became Clerks. Which is totally it's, fine, but clerks is clerks, and it's so the, funny you say that because that's how this podcast started. My idea was I'd do like a, a weekly show or a monthly show with like a story set in people working in a blockbuster, and yeah. I went, you know what? I'm never going to be able to keep up with that, so I'm just going to get people I know on to tell yeah. stories, and then it turned into oh, people like this, and I started having other guests on, and and now here you are. So keep going. Yeah. Sorry. So you totally understand, like. <laughs> Every time I would pick up the like pick up my computer, start typing like less than 20 lines in, it would become clerks. Always, <laughs> no matter what. Like it was ridiculous how easy it was. Yeah. And I put it on the shelf for a while, the idea, because I'm like, I can't do this show. It's impossible to do this fucking show. Um, and like I started writing more things like for myself. Like I wrote some from Florida and nothing makes me happier than making fun of my horrible home state. I wrote a play that used like real um, Florida man headlines called All is Fine in Florida uh, and also some true stories from my life. And it was like, an anthology play about like horrible Florida man stories. For those that don't know what Florida man is, I assume that you do because I heard you laugh. Uh, oh, yeah. It is a common trope for whenever there's a headline in Florida. Uh, it's a, This is a real Florida man headline in the news. Florida man dressed as a ninja breaks into Joey Fatone's home. That's a real Florida man headline. Um, and so what I did was I combined like 500 uh, headlines and wrote that play. 
And it went well. And then I started writing more plays. I wrote like, a play called Waiting that was at Planet Connections Theater Festivity, where I won some awards, which is pretty cool. And oh, congratulations. Uh, it, That's awesome. Thanks. thanks. Uh, it was another series of short, short plays of people in New York waiting for things. And we used, uh, when I did, if your audience is familiar with the genesis of the Broadway and musical and movie musical chorus line, we, um, yep. I got like 10 people in a room that were going to be cast in the show. And I'm like, tell me a story about waiting and how it like ruined your day or whatever. And we, that's how I wrote the play. Like I took all those ideas and then I mashed them all together into a play. Um, oh, that's so cool. So you, so you, you mad libs created yeah. off of a concept. That's really cool. And it, it, the way it came out, like, it felt like a weird Muppet show version thing where we all play like five characters, but we also played ourselves sometimes. So like the play started with me saying that a prop broke and like, I have a mental breakdown on stage while they're fixing the prop. And then you find out the prop never existed. <laughs> um, it was really crazy. Kind of like I described it as a stoner version of the Muppet show. Uh, like it was really stupid and really funny. Uh, the, <laughs> Then uh, I worked on this play called Lenny Bruce is Not Afraid, which is a post-apocalyptic first date romantic comedy uh, that I wrote while having anxiety attacks in 2016. Um, oh. Yeah. And it was a, it's been well-received. It's gone up a few times. Um, myself and their actress are permanently attached to it. And it literally is two people that find each other um, while thinking of the last person alive in the East Village in New York. And they end up going on a, date because they're the only people alive and they haven't seen anyone in a long time and it's also are these people good people or bad people and is this a good thing or a bad thing it's very right. funny very dark um last year for the same festival uh that this will be debuting in the, the frigid festival i uh, did this play called ccu in hell which is a takeoff on like slasher movies of the 90s like scream i know we did last summer but set very much in the present. And the idea was a murderous chain letter instead of a murderous person. So the chain letter would be sent out and like it had the spirit of like a, 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 a 90s pop culture and its impact professor uh, died while typing it. And the first seven <laughs> scenes of the play would be like people receiving the letter and either dying immediately uh, or sending it. And then like the last scene was a long party scene where all the survivors figure shit out. And <laughs> so this is my fourth show in the, that festival, uh, the Frigid Festival. And it'll be my first time doing a solo play for an hour. And the way this came up, I was like, man, there's some really good stories about Blockbuster. I've been very depressed recently. And I really want to do something that just makes me happy to tell. Like when I've done solo shows before, um, I'll get a little grim here. I, I, I'm a suicide attempt survivor, and I, my solo plays have been about that. Uh, they've been right. short, like one-off type things, and I recorded them so people want to see them, they can see them and know they're not alone. And that was a very wow. important thing for me. And I never was able to do those shows more than like a few times just because that's, that's a lot. And um, I was talking to my frequent collaborator, Kristen, uh, Kristen Kime, who's an amazing director who is doing great with the show too. And I was like, I want to do a show where I talk about my love of movies. Cause I have such a pure love of movies 
and people love blockbusters still. And I really want to do a show about blockbuster and my love of movies. Like I don't mention blockbuster much until like page five of a 15 page script. Mm. Cause like it starts off with me remembering like my first movie I saw in theaters. Oh. Uh, like, and it's a movie that's almost impossible for me to have seen in theaters because it's Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And that movie is two months older than I am. Um, okay. How? Um, all I know is this, that my earliest memories of seeing a movie is the clown surgery in that movie. Me too. And I thought I was too young to have seen it. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a weird thing, like, like, and, and I also, think I'm three or four years also, older than you. Yeah, it's that weird thing. Like, my parents have also like kind of corroborated the idea that I saw this in theaters, um, at like in 1985. Oh, Nikes. So, like, in theory, if they saw it in the second run theater, I could have been more than honestly a month old when I saw it. But anything younger than two years, oh god, really yeah. It's like very weird because I have very clear memories of the clown surgery scene. Like, yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. So that's a long well, answer why I wrote this play, but it's no, you know. and, and, and keep going. I wanted to, to a previous statement. I just wanted to go back and, you know, you, you had said, you know, the the suicide survivor thing and the yeah. depression and I I just really am am happy that you're that you're able to approach that head on and do Thanks. something that's like an out that and, and that's something that's able to be an outlet for you to help other people by giving them something either happy or cathartic yeah. or therapeutic to see so they're not alone and I, I really thank you so much for doing that because I know I know I know too many people that are unable to make it to that point um, yeah so, for um, me. I realized about six months afterwards, I'm like, I'm able to talk about this. So I'm going to talk about, I mean, I, I can talk about, it, I don't care. It's, it's part of who I am, you know? And, yeah. uh, I mean, it wasn't like the most dramatic one. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, it's that thing. Like I did what I did. I'm better now. And I can talk about it. You know, like, I haven't had of suicidal tendencies in like five years almost. So, No, I'm glad glad to hear that, but also glad that you're comfortable talking about it because, uh, oof, it's hard out there. <laughs> oh, it's very, very hard. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to see uh, the video, it's called The Worst Combination. Type in that, type in my name, Mark Levy, on YouTube. You'll find it. Um, yeah. So you have, is that a video of, of the play? Yeah, it's it's just a storytelling show of me uh, recounting what led up to it, wh what happened, and the immediate aftermath. Okay. Wow. So, uh, on, on that, that note, I, you know, things, things that make you happy, let's, let's keep going. So you're, yeah. so you're doing this blockbuster show. You were telling me that if, if this goes well, you were thinking about taking it on the road. Oh, no, it, there's, it's like, um, yeah, it's definitely, approaching that way like um sales have been pretty okay in new york so far of course i you know please buy more tickets people if you're listening and able to come yes uh, yes but, please if, if if it wasn't if there weren't children involved i told this to my wife and she goes oh my god we'd just be there 
Like this is our kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah. And we well, love going into the city or going yeah, to New York like, in general. I mean, and the show isn't like super vulgar. I know I told you off the air that I can't be pretty vulgar. I mean, I do actually there are moments. It's, it's just a lot of cursing a couple of times, but like, there's nothing like explicit about the show. It's just a storytelling show of my love of movies. Uh, and I jump a couple F bombs, uh, <laughs> but Don't we all, uh, yeah, I mean, it's real, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a couple of theaters in Miami. that are looking at it, a couple of theaters in North Florida, um, a couple of theaters. One of my friends, uh, produces stuff in Toronto. Um, I submitted for the Halifax, uh, fringe festival, a couple of like, there's a lot of interest in the show. Like, right. And once we get reviews and stuff like that, it's going to get really good, you know? Well, you've got a guy over here that will definitely be helping spread the word because I uh, yeah. I want it Please. to come to me. Yeah. I want to see it. I really want to show it to you. <laughs> like, Oh, that's so cool. It's Also, what's really cool is like my first time fully producing a thing by myself. Um, my parents are amazing. They've helped me before uh, put my own stuff up. And this is like the first show I've ever done where I'm like, I can actually pay for everything completely out of pocket. Uh, oh, that's awesome. That's partially like how good everything is at Alamo. Uh, thank God, knock on wood. Uh, but like that thing of like, I'm doing my own, I'm doing my own stuff as an artist, you know? And that's and, all that matters, right? That's, that's a huge self-esteem boost. Yeah. And what's also really good about the Friendship Festival, which is one of the main reasons I've come back there so many times. This is my fourth time doing it, which is a lot in a indie festival in New York. Um, they give the artists a hundred percent of the box office. Whoa. So like you, you pay your fee to get in, which is like, you know, the normal, like festival fee, um, like pretty standard uh, number. And then every ticket you sell, every dollar goes 100% back to the pocket of the artists. So that way I can actually pay my director. I can pay my stage manager. I'll be able to pay my person that's creating the projections for the show. Um, stuff like that, you know? Oh, that's wild. So I was going to say, you know, um, knowing that they do stuff like this, I would be happy to put you in touch with the folks at Bend, Oregon, Blockbuster, the last on the planet, because uh-huh. they do live shows in their store. I would love to do Blockbuster like, guy there. <laughs> comedy nights and stuff they do they do comedy nights they do bands and you know the size of a blockbuster you told me the rough size of like a turnout you'd expect for a size room i think that would be insane i mean i would that would be amazing if i could actually do the show in bend oregon at the last store so let me offline i will send you contact info for them and i will also send a word up the up the telephone pole if you will <laughs> oh that'd be awesome that'd be that i'd be so thankful for that man Oh no, they're they're amazing. They're they're the nicest people, and um, they've given me like signed shirts to give away and stuff like that. They're they're super cool. They won't be like mad about me like cursing in their theater, right? In their in their venue. <laughs> I I mean they do comedy night there, so I I, I mean you could you could I'm sure they'd read the script, yeah. but I mean they rent the movies with the curses in them, so I, I don't. <laughs> also, because there's a pretty vulgar part of the show where I talk about the How I Met Your Mother finale. Because <laughs> uh, my uh, two big things, like that, I'm taking away from Blockbuster as an adult, besides for things I walk in, are like my love of horror and my love of how I met your mother, which I loved yep. until the last episode. And 
got pretty upset. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Because <laughs> I found how my mother there. Like, I remember one day I was eating Chinese food during my lunch break. Saw we had it in the back shelf before it goes out. Pop it in. And I'm like, cool. Awesome. Oh, my God. The show is great. And fell in love with it. Watched the whole thing for like in two days. And then never missed an episode. Even the ones I should have. Like the finale. <laughs> That's wild. So in, in doing, you know, working at the Alamo Draft House, which is, which is a dream job in and of itself, and then having this artistic outlet doing theater, do you feel um, a connection, like a, like stuff that happened at Blockbuster kind of prepared you to like be better for those jobs? Like I, I always put Blockbuster on a resume for my, you know, jobs that I got my degree in and people go, why do you still put that on there? And I go, because... I don't know. It just, you dealt with a lot of people and a lot of situations. And yeah. I feel like that, that type of like you worked for a company that was big and corporate, but the working in the store didn't feel big and corporate. It felt like you we were giving people a personal um, thing, even though the company might not have wanted us to. No, I, I very much agree with that. Uh, my manager, Carlos um, in Palatka was, Oh, really great dude. Like he's helped me a lot, even with the show, even um, because he's like, he wants to bring the show down Palatka, which I'd be a, a little bit afraid to. Cause yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the way that like, as I remember like a few months in, he saw like potential in me and he taught me because like my whole background uh, customer service, guest relations. Um, yep. And he taught me like what I would need to do to, to be able to like, Things I still use to like actually listening to guests, um, recommending things, like apologizing when necessary, calling them guests, not customers, stuff like that, you know, uh, being yes. friendly, being open, having a warm heart, which is 80% of what it is doing a blockbuster, like being friendly, you know, being able to recommend a movie, being able to talk about movies, you know? Yeah. Like I still That's definitely so use a lot of the skills that I learned there. Uh, very much so. So what did you ever end up doing any inventories? No. I was, was always part-time because like I was doing I was in college at the same time. So um I never like they realized really quick that I was really good at my job and just keep me on register and keep me on the floor and just make sure I'm selling things and making sure guests get what they need. Right. And yeah. I never did any inventories or anything like that, no. So how's um I imagine the draft house gets a lot of people in a similar um extracurricular state as you. Like I would imagine that area of New York has a lot of people that are in that scene, like do you know plays off Broadway type stuff or is oh, yeah, of course. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. So are they like are they good like as an employer to like be accommodating to that? Because I would imagine yeah. Yeah, That's I mean, awesome. the, the leagues, uh, Tim and Carrie, um, the CEOs of the company have always been really, really good about like being good people to begin with. And like, that's a top down type situation. So like our general manager here, like if I like let them know, like, Hey, I'm going to play or whatever. Um, if I get them notice, they'll give me time off. They'll let me be, do I need to do? Um, and like, they've been really accommodating, especially like, like, especially cause the last few things I've done, have been my own stuff. So I'm not just needed for I'm needed at every rehearsal I can be, even if I'm not on the scene. 
like, well, with Blockbuster Guy, I'm at, I'm at every rehearsal because I'm also the only actor. But they've been really good. Um, there's also a lot of really good talent there, which is also really nice. Um, like, in so many different ways. Like I feel like in my store, like, at least 60, 70% of the people that work there are in the arts in some way. And having an employer that's accommodating to understand that the way you get good employees is to not take away what makes them them. Yeah. It's very and important. I'm happy and be decent and pay, pay as well as they can. Right. Right. It's, it's you- never going to be enough, but as well as they can is, is all that anyone ever asks for. Right. Of course. Well, that's so cool, man. It's, it sounds like you're, you're living a, the the best life you could be living right now, man. I, I appreciate, I appreciate all this. Can, you know? Yeah, I'm doing the best I can. I, I I've always tried to go at things with an optimistic attitude if I can, and yeah. I mean that comes down from my parents right there, and like live the best heart that I can and be nice and just I live karmically. That's the easiest way to put it. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I uh, I'm really glad that we were able to meet and touch base like this. And I, um, I hope to, to stay in touch. And if you, if you come local with this show, I'd love a chance to collaborate, whether it's just, you know, doing like a live recording of, of my show, talking to you before your play or something like that, just something oh, fun that. like that to help, to help advertise for you. Um, just stay in touch and you have an open invitation to come back on this whenever you want. Like if you need to advertise or oh, you just have a new story to tell. Yeah. I mean, and also they want to reach out to me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'll give out plugs in a minute anyways, but yeah, that was I mean, where I'm, I was going to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very open about anything. Like I'm an open book <laughs> as you probably have gathered. And I, I, I like to talk to people. So that's great, man. So, uh, and with, with that, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you plug yourself one more time and thank you so much for, uh, for joining yeah. me and, um, and telling me your story, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Christopher. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to go give the dates again for the show. And I also have the times now because, Fringe festivals, for those that don't know, have the craziest showtimes ever. Uh, so, uh, the show against Blockbuster Guy, which you probably figured out, uh, and the website to get tickets is uh, frigid.nyc slash events slash Blockbuster Guy. Our shows are February 21st, uh, which is Friday at 5.30, Friday, February 28th at 8.50, Sunday, March 1st at 3.30, Wednesday, March 4th at 10.30, and Saturday, March 7th at 10 at 210. Tickets are $18 a piece. But if you buy your ticket be- before February 21st and use the promo code new release, you will save a few dollars on your ticket. Um I love the promo code. It was either gonna be yeah. that or run the tapes. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I remember like I talked about this in the show about like because I when I started working on Blockbuster, we still had VHS for a little bit. And I remember, like, what would happen when we when they broke whenever you put them in the fucking VHS rewinder, and like, you would be there forever waiting, waiting. You're like, is it done? Oh wait, it it, it broke. What do I do? Oh, I just <laughs> throw it out now. Cool. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, if, and you can also find my information on Facebook for Blockbuster Guy, um, Twitter and Instagram at Mark Levy eighty five. M-A-R-K-L-E-V, like Victor, Y-8-5. Yeah. Um, I also will be starting up in March. This is not Blockbuster related, but it's a thing I'm pretty proud of. Um, 
as a kid, I grew up watching Boy Meets World. And yeah. as a, when uh, Disney Plus started, uh, I rewatched the whole series again as an adult, which I've seen episodes, of course, as an adult, but not straight through. And I'm going to have an, a, pod, a, a web series, a web video show called Mark Remeets World, which will be starting in March on YouTube. Awesome. Be sure to send me that. Yeah. And it's going to be like very nerdy, deep divey type stuff. So, <laughs> oh, that that's way up my alley. I love it. Yeah, I met I met most of the cast at Comic Con uh, two years ago. Uh, ben Savage, oh, Daniel Michelle, and uh, Will Friedle. And it's like, like the joy that's exuding for me is so unbelievably real. That photo, because <laughs> I I'm, I'm an actor because those people, you know. That's so cool. Where uh, I've got a similar um, like cool like dream thing kind of happening. Me and my brother. Yeah. My main podcast is the Chipman Brothers Tangent, which I do with my brother. And my brother's a Boston area film critic and game journalist. And so he's he's pretty well known and he wanted to do a podcast. And he's what got me into doing this. Um, oh, and so I got fans through him and then made these other shows and gained my own. And he's been trying to get into PAX East to do a panel for like four years. Nice. And he never got in. And I said, well, we should do one, you and I. And we submitted and got accepted. So we're, we're doing a panel the, the same week as the opening of your show, actually, February 27th. Oh, well, <laughs> if people want, they can make the four hour commute, right? <laughs> right. You can, you can hit then, me up and then go the next day over to see Mark's show or yeah. just see Mark's show. And, you know, <laughs> and then we'll grab a beer after. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, dude, this this has been a blast. Um, I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank, thank everybody you. listening. Oh, you're welcome, dude. Thank everybody listening for making it a blockbuster night or day or whenever you're listening to this. And please be kind. Rewind. Thank you. Thank you.